0: This morning, uh, if you want to, uh, go ahead and uh, if you got your Bible, turn to Second Corinthians chapter 1, or if you got the uh, church app, you can go ahead and open that up. We're beginning a series uh, today called Life Can Be Tough. And probably all of us would say, Amen to that. Uh, sometimes life is tough. But there's another part to that, and that is God is good. And so over the month of August and September, you're going to be hearing some testimonies from people within our church, maybe some outside the church, some messages from different preachers looking at various scriptures that remind us that life can be tough, but God is good. And sometimes the way that we understand that the most is when we hear a testimony from somebody that shares about a tough time that they went through in life. And so I've asked Jim Cudd if he would share about his own personal tough time that he went through in his life. So Jim, if you'll come on up, quit your crying and come on up here. <laughs> and uh, Jim, uh, his story goes back at a pretty young age of a trying time that he went through. And so I think that it'll kind of enlighten us. Sometimes things that we think are tough, maybe not as tough as compared to somebody else's. Jim, let me get you a mic here, buddy. you getting claps before you even start. There you go. Well...
1: Um, <clears throat> I told him when he texted me to call me Thursday, call him on Thursday that uh, when he asked me to do this, I said, Brother Brad, I can't do it. I said, no. I said, all I'm going to do is cry. <clears throat> I said, uh, we all know I like to talk. I mean, I'll talk about anything. You know, I'll talk sports. I'll talk anything you want to talk about, but I don't want to get up here and talk about me. I, I want to. Don't want to talk about me. Anyway, I'm going to try to be a little faster than I was this morning. I thought I was nervous this morning. Now we got a full. (laughs) I can't even stand still. I'm shaking so much. But um, never been out of church in my life. Always always raised in church. Very strong uh, Christian background. Strong family. Strong parents. Uh, Never went to a public school. I was in... Christian elementary all the way through high school, and even in uh, college, I also was in a Christian school. Church was, church was something that I was at church more than I was at home, it seemed like, because that's just what we did. And when I was five years old, I was in a church service, and a man was preaching on hell, and he scared me half to death. I went down to the altar, and... Uh, Tried a little bit. I'm sure that doesn't shock anybody. But uh, felt better, went back, nothing changed. Not to say that anybody that's five years old can't be saved, but I wasn't ready to be saved. So uh, 12 years old, I just turned 12 actually. And uh, I was in Sunday school class. And I can't even remember what the uh, Sunday school teacher was talking about. But I looked out the window and I saw a little bird in a tree and I remembered the, where it says in the Bible that uh, even if a sparrow dies, that the Lord knows that that sparrow died and he allowed that to happen. And I thought right then that God didn't care about me and I started getting under conviction right then. Went to the service that Sunday morning didn't get saved. That Sunday night, the, the preacher preached on the second coming. And before he could get through with the message, I knew that I needed to be saved. And uh, I felt like I was on fire. And the pastor met me at the altar. He said, I knew it. He said, I knew it, Jim. He said, I knew God was working in your heart, and you you needed to be saved. And uh, so September the 6th, 1986, I asked the Lord to save me. Greatest day of my life, without a doubt. Needless to say, in the next nine to ten months, I was not ready for that, Um few months later, my parents divorced. Now, remember what I said at the very beginning. Strong Christian background. Never seen my parents fight. Never seen them fuss. <clears throat> so, already there, I started questioning God. I was like, you know, dadgum, I just got saved. This is the greatest time of my life, and now this. So, just like every family that split, you know, parents split, and so the children visit, so fast forward around to June the 25th, 1987, Um, it was a Sunday evening, time for us to go back home, we go back home, and I've got two little brothers, one that's barely two, and one that's uh, eight, so me being almost 14, another month away I'd be 14, or two months away I'd be 14. Dad said, I gotta go. I don't remember what he had to go. He said, you, you're okay here. I said, yes, sir. You know, I'm fine. So you have to be back at six o'clock. So around seven o'clock, phone rings. Now, 87, there wasn't no cell phones. They wasn't even a beeper. So it was a house phone. Hello, uh, Jill? is your mom home? No, sir. Okay. All right, well, let me know when she gets home. Okay, Dad, I will. So around nine o'clock, he calls. Is your mom home? No, sir, Dad. She's not home. All right, I'm coming to get you. So he comes to get us. And uh, still no word. Nobody knows nothing. And all my family is from South Carolina. All my, other than, well, actually my brothers have moved away now, even then. Only people at that time that was in Georgia was my immediate family. My mom, my dad, and my brothers. So she would go to South Carolina to be with her family on the weekends that we was with my dad. And uh, still no word Monday, still no word Tuesday. Finally, um, we, we, we find out that she had... Uh, <clears throat> She had went sightseeing with some friends that Sunday before uh, she was supposed to come back home. And uh, there was just uh, four people in a little prop plane, and it crashed, and no survivors. But we didn't know that. We, we, you know, Still, you just started. Uh, little side note, I never had a television until my parents got divorced. And uh, so clearly you got got someone missing that starts showing up on the news. So I'm having to shield that from my brothers. I don't want them to see it. And at the same time, I'm devastated because I'm, I'm thinking the worst before we knew the worst was actually reality. And uh, it's seven or eight days later when we finally find out and 14 years old and just got saved, parents divorced, and then to add insult to injury, um, being in two different places, I have to go through two funerals. So we had a funeral in South Carolina, and then we have a funeral back here in Georgia for friends and, fa- uh, you know, friends and everything with church family. And then one little extra adds to insult to injury, When they were transporting the body back from South Carolina to Georgia, the car wrecked. So they had to prolong it even longer. So I, I, I went from being saved at 12 to being so bitter and mad at God that I just shut everything off. Shut everybody off. And to quote a line that I told my kids in Sunday school this morning, I grabbed a mask and I put it on and I left it on for 30 years. I played church, never, never got out of church, never left church. Sports became my God. More specifically, basketball became my God. And uh, from 14 to 18, that's all I did. If I wasn't in a church service, I had a basketball in my hand. In the bed, it didn't matter. That's all I lived for was playing basketball. And uh, God has a funny way of getting his way. And uh, fifth game of my senior year, blow my knee out. Youth pastor's at the game. Now, I'm even more mad because what I thought was my ticket just got taken away from me. And then the youth pastor comes in and I don't want to talk to you right now. I had no desire to hear anything about God. I didn't have no desire to hear anything about it. It's in his hands. I was just mad. Surgery and everything happened. Finally, I said, okay, God, I give up. I give up. When I was real small, I felt, I want to be a preacher one day. I thought that was the coolest thing. Remember, I've got a strong Christian background. Well, that went away. And uh, I give up, went to college. I lived for God for a minute. I did right. I I mean, I never really did nothing technically wrong, but I was fake. I was a hypocrite for years. Got into college and had some friends that I knew there, and they said, man, won't you come play baseball? If you can't play basketball, play baseball. I said, will it help pay for school? Yeah. Okay. Why not? So six years later I graduated from college. Yeah, I said six years, because just like every other student athlete, don't let them tell you any different. When they're a student athlete, they're there to play the sports. And I did enough to stay eligible. And when I got a little bit of the gone, I buckled down and got my degree. Fast forward, so Brother Brett can preach a little bit longer than he did this morning. Um, I met my wife. And uh, without a doubt, she was an angel sent from God because even after we were married, I was still as fake as fake could be. I had everybody snowed, everybody but my angel. And I remember her saying, Jim, I thought you was a Christian. You sure not living like a Christian. And... Uh, I was still in denial, I guess you'd say. Yes, I'm a Christian. Yes, ma'am. I've been saved 30 years. I'm a Christian. And then Brother Adam Crab came to sing. I made a decision then that from then on, I was going to do what I could do. I don't know what it was about him that, that made me get over the hump, so to speak. But, and I make mistakes, don't get me wrong. I'm, I'm not perfect and I do things wrong and I have to ask forgiveness. But uh, I started praying about what, what, I, what God had me to do. And I told Kristen one day, I said, you know, Kristen, no offense to any Christian schools around, okay? I just said, I feel like I need to work with children. I'd love... To work with children. I think that they're our future and I'd love to work with them and I'd love to start a Christian school. Jim, you're crazy. You can't start a Christian school. You don't know nothing about running a school. Still, I kept praying. And uh, two or three or four weeks ago, I can't remember exactly, Brother Brett texted me then. Another little side note real fast. Brett had asked me in Sunday school, Jim, you think you could teach Sunday school this Sunday? No, man, I don't think I can. I think we're going to be out of town, too. And I said, uh, he said, I know Brother Brett's going to call you. He said, because there's a bunch of us going to be out. And i have been filling in a little bit in the high school class for, uh, for Jansen since Eric has taken another position. And I just kept praying. I wasn't praying specifically for the high school class. I was just praying what God would have me to do to help with our younger generation. And I'm at the grocery store. Brother Brett goes, uh, he sends me a text. Give me a call when you get a chance. Uh, I was talking to Bree after the service this morning. We've both agreed that I'm not gonna answer his texts anymore. Anyway, I thought, there it is. Rhett was right. He's texting me to teach a Sunday school class. He's going to want me to teach Rhett's class. I thought, well, that's okay. I don't, I don't mind. We wound up not going out of town. So I called him back, and I'm in the grocery store. And he said, how's it going? I said, everything's good. Everything's good. How are you? And he said, good. He, says, uh, he said, we've been, I've been praying, and we've been... Talking to some of the uh, high schoolers, and when he said that, I knew, I knew in my heart what he was going to ask. And uh, I had to push the buggy over to the side and get out of that grocery store as fast as I could. Held it together, held it together. I knew I was going to cry. I held it together in a grocery store and while I was talking to him. But like I told him this morning, I don't know how high them grocery aisles are, but if they'd have gotten away, I swear I could have jumped over them. Because I knew that that as, as long as I had run from God and with the background that I had, for him to even consider me after running from God as long as I did to be the high school Sunday school teacher. And he, and he said that he talked to some of the students and they had said they would like me to be their Sunday school teacher since Jansen's schedule's so messed up. And um, I don't work on Sundays. And uh, it, I'm just telling you guys, um, those three words that are on the screen right behind us, there is no way to describe how God is so good and how much He's done for me that I definitely don't deserve. But if there's one thing that I can leave you with, and I, lift, I said this in the, in the first service, if you've got Jesus in your heart, if you've asked Jesus to be your Lord and Savior, there is no reason, no matter how bad you think it is, or how good you think it can never be, if Jesus is in your heart, you're only going to live as long as God lives. And if you've got Jesus in your heart, that's all that matters. And if you don't, I wouldn't leave here until I, until I found out and I had that smile that could always be on my face. Because once again, guys, if you got Jesus, we're only going to live as long as God lives.
0: Thanks. Amen. Good job. Amen. <clears throat> if you would, if you haven't already done so, open your Bible to 2 uh, Corinthians chapter 1. Jim, uh, he, uh, not until I heard his testimony, Did I heard the uh, details about when I called him about teaching the high school class. And uh, when I called him, one thing that Jim didn't mention was that uh, when I called him, his response when I asked him about it was, yeah, that would be okay. I can do it. And so I hung up, and I was like, yeah, that would be okay. I can do it. Does that mean he don't really want to do it? But I didn't know he was out there dancing and jumping for joy that I asked him about it. He was just fighting through uh, not crying while I was talking to him. And uh, so he's rejoicing in the Lord, and I'm going, what does he mean? That would be okay. I can do it. (laughs) But uh, God uh, has worked in Jim's uh, life and he's uh, gone through this struggle and challenged where he uh, felt like that, uh, you know, life was just all out of whack. To uh, where I said that earlier, Jim is one of the most jolly people that I know. I mean, I never have a conversation with him that he don't start laughing about anything or something in the midst of that. And so he's just got that uh, personality that is always joyful. He's probably one of the most joyful people I know outside of Santa Claus, you know, as far as laughing and jolly. And uh, so God has taken him through a lot of pain as a teenager to uh, bring him to where he is right now. And in these scriptures in 2 Corinthians, uh, I want to look at purpose in our pain. I believe that when we go through trials and struggles and challenges, God has a purpose for the pain that we feel. And uh, I think that these scriptures by the Apostle Paul in Second Corinthians chapter 1 give us a little bit of insight about when we are going through pain, that God does have a purpose. And what that purpose may be, you may not fully understand it immediately, but God does have a purpose when we're going through some pain, through some struggles in our life. And I'm going to read this out of the uh, New King James translation beginning in uh, verse 3 through verse 11. Paul's writing this to the church of Corinth and he's talking about God being a God of comfort and he also talks a little bit about some of the challenges that he had been through in his own personal life and he says this he said blessed be the God and father of our Lord Jesus Christ the father of mercies and the God of all comfort there's a three-letter word that's really impactful it's the word all and it means everything which what Paul is saying is that God is the God that no matter what trial or problem or pressure or situation or pain that you're going through, he can give you comfort in the midst of that. So it doesn't matter whether it's physical pain or an emotional issue or financial struggle or losing someone that you care about, God is the God of all comfort. There's nothing that is beyond his ability to give us comfort. And then in verse 4 it says, who comforts us in all our tribulation that we may be able to comfort those who are in any trouble with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. So Paul is saying that not only is God able to comfort us no matter what your pain is, but he says, when you come through that, God wants you to be a comfort to others based on what you've been through. And in verse five, he says, for as the suffering of Christ abound in us, so our consolation or our comfort also abounds through Christ. And he says, there's where we get our comfort and that is in Christ. He said, now, if we are afflicted, it is for your consolation and salvation, which is effective for enduring the same sufferings, which we also suffer. Or if we are comforted, it is for your consolation and salvation. So Paul was relating that, the things that he's gone through personally, his pains, his problems, the situations that he's been through, He sees that God did that so that he could comfort those in the church of Corinth in the midst of what they were suffering. He goes on in verse seven to say, and our hope for you is steadfast because we know that as you are partakers of the suffering, so also you will partake of the consolation. So Paul is saying, I just want you to know that yes, you will go through suffering, but yes, you will go through some comfort as well. And in verse eight, he says, for we do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, of our trouble, which we came, which came to us in Asia, that we were burdened beyond measure. Listen to what he says. Burdened beyond measure, above strength, so that we despaired even of life. He's basically saying it, Paul is saying that when I was in Asia, he said, I want you to understand that I was so burdened down with problems that it was more than you can measure. That it was above the strength that I thought I could handle it. And he said that I even despaired of my life. I thought I wasn't going to live through this situation. And he goes on in verse 9 and says, Yes, we had the sentence of death in ourselves that we should not trust in ourselves, but in God who raises the dead, who delivered us from so great a death and does deliver us, in whom we trust that he will still deliver us, you also helping together in prayer for us that thanks may be given by many persons on our behalf for the gift granted to us through many. So Paul has taken his situation, his pains and his problems and he's saying, I'm not sharing these things with you because I want you to feel sorry for me. He said, I want you to know I understand that there's a purpose behind the pain that I've gone through. That's true for each one of us. We may not always immediately know what the purpose is when we're going through a painful situation. We may not know next week, but God has a purpose for every painful situation that we face in life. And a couple of things that I believe that God is revealing to us through these scriptures is, and I think this is probably the most important to know, and that is God knows the pain that we all go through. Any pain that you're going through, it doesn't matter what level it is or what subject it might be of, whether it's something personal, physical pain or financial or family situation or death, God knows about all the pain that we go through. And it's a reminder to us that God is well aware that we're not on an island, that we're not all by ourselves. that God is aware of that. Matter of fact, you can look to the Bible and it's very clear that God wants us to know that He knows every intricate detail of everything that we experience. If you were to go to Psalms 139, you'd see that God not only talks about how that he knit us together in our mother's womb, but he also tells how that he knows everything that's happening in every day of our life. There's not a day that you have a tragedy or a problem or you're struggling in your life that God's on vacation and he misses that. No, he knows everything. Matter of fact, the Bible tells us in another scripture, he knows the very hairs of our head. So he's letting us know he knows the very intricate details. And one of the things that I think is the most powerful enlightenment to that is in Psalms 56.8. In Psalms 56.8, God uses an expression to let us know not only that he knows what's going on, but it impacts him emotionally. God in the scripture in Psalms 56.8 says that he has our tears in his bottle. God is revealing that when you're going through a difficult time in your life when you're shedding tears and maybe you feel like that nobody understands what's happening to you that nobody else has been through the pain and the, what you're feeling at that moment in your life God in his word is saying I'm catching every tear that you shed so that I will always remember every pain and problem that you've gone through. And then he says that that all those recorded in his book which means that God is keeping It's kind of like, some of you may keep a diary or a journal and and you've got kind of things each day that has happened for that day in your life that you're kind of keeping up with. And that's kind of the way the psalmist is expressing how that God knows every pain and problem that we're going through. And it's kind of like God's got a journal, a diary to keep up with everything. And it might be something crazy. You know, sometimes we go through crazy things in our life and we're hoping nobody knows about what's going on in our life. But that scripture's letting us know he knows about the crazy moments. He knows about those crushing moments. No matter what you go through, God is there and he knows you are not alone. And I think it's one of the most important things for us to understand in our life that God knows all that we're going through. And God doesn't, understand this also, God doesn't take away the pain, but he'll be our comfort in the midst of the pain. A lot of times we want comfort And we want comfort to be in a way that that it takes away what I'm feeling. When we think of the word comfort, we usually think more of something along these lines. And that is, hey, comfort is like a nice, soft pillow. Ah, give me some comfort, I'm feeling good. And so we think of God being the God of all comfort. He's the one that's going to give me a, a nice, comfy pillow. To make everything feel better and feel soft. Or, or maybe it's a, a nice cozy blanket. My wife loves at the end of a long day, she loves to grab herself a blanket. And she just snuggles up in that blanket and it gives her such comfort. It's just kind of like, all right, all the stress of the day has gone away. And so when we think of the scripture saying God is the God of all comfort, we may think, okay, God's going to take away all my problems. He's going to take away all my pain. And I'm just going to feel cozy and comfy and good. But the word that was used there that God is the God of all comfort doesn't mean cozy and soft and fluffy. But it means, matter of fact, it's an expression that means to call you alongside. When it says that God is the God of all comfort, it's the saying that when you're going through a struggle or trial in your life, God is the one that's called alongside you to be with you. It's kind of like if you're sick He's gonna be sitting there beside the bed with you. He may not immediately take away the sickness, but he'll be there holding your hand while you're feeling bad. It's like when you're going through a loss in your life and you're broken down in tears that he gets on his knees beside you and maybe he sheds a few tears himself. That when it says that God is a God of all comfort, It's not like he's not empathetic with what we go through, but he is very empathetic. He's catching those tears. He's recording that pain and he's there right beside us. And so if God took away every pain that we feel or every problem that we have in life, the truth is we would just become a bunch of spoiled brat Christians that we would think that, hey, I'm never gonna have a problem in my life because God's gonna take it away and I can go through life good. And the problem is, that if we never feel any pain, that those who are outside the Christian lifestyle, we wouldn't be able to relate to them because we think, you got a problem? I mean, come on, get over it, everything's great. Matter of fact, that's probably the third thing that God reveals to us and that is that God wants us to become stronger through our pain. That he wants us to be able to go through the things that will exercise our spiritual muscles. You know, if you want to get stronger physically, you've got to work out with some weights. You've got to use some exercise equipment. You've got to run some long distances to be able to build up your strength, to build up your endurance. And if you're going to get stronger, you've got to keep adding to it. I can tell you this, that if you you can go to the gym every day, and the first day, if you go and you work out with what you're comfortable doing, and you say, okay, I'm going to do this every day, at the end of the year, you'll be the same as you were as the first day you went in there nothing's going to change. You got to add some weight. You got to add some reps. You got to add some distance. You got to add some speed. And it's going to cause you to strain some muscles. It's going to cause you to expand your lungs. And all of that is necessary because it will make you stronger. It's the same way in our life spiritually, that God knows that we've got to strain a little bit our spiritual muscles so that we become stronger. And when we become stronger, God uses that so that we can help other people. God wants us to help others and that's the purpose behind our pain. The purpose of our pain is the end result that we help somebody else. And that might be a brother or sister in Christ or it might be somebody that maybe is not a Christian and maybe they don't know anything about God and they don't understand anything about God. And so God has allowed you to go through some problem so that you can turn around and help somebody else. Let me just ask you a question by show of hands. Has anybody ever had a problem that you went through in your life and then God allowed you to help somebody else through that same type of problem? A lot of hands. You see, God has a purpose with our pain and that is especially those who live outside of our life as Christians that may be going through a struggle and they're thinking that I can't make it through this or nobody cares. And then you come along beside them and, and you let them know that yes, you can make it. And you share about your experience. You know, the apostle Paul shared about some of the things that he had gone through, that he had been beaten by rods three times. He had been, uh, arrested and beaten with whips five different times. He had been shipwrecked, he had been snake bitten. he had been stoned almost to the point of death. About anything that you can categorize, if you were to, I think it's in chapter 11, the Apostle Paul, he talks about being cold, being without food, being uh, stranded, being where he didn't have proper clothing. I mean, any category that you can think of, he's been through it. And so Paul shares that to the church of Corinth and to the other Christians because he wants them to know, I know what you're going through. I've been there, done that. That's the reason Jesus walked on this earth, not only to come to be our salvation, but to walk on this earth so that he can say, I know how you feel. I've been there. God puts us through things so that we can help others. It's not for us just to help ourselves or to save ourselves. There was a guy one time that went through a first aid class and he'd been through uh, several classes and He hadn't finished it, but it's probably about halfway through the classes that uh, one day he was at home and he heard a a horrible crash and he goes to the window and looks out and a car has ran up into his yard and he had a big tree in the front yard and it hit that tree and it was just smashed up bad. And so he comes out of the uh, house and he goes down the steps and he's going out towards the car. He sees somebody getting out of the car and they're Kind of stumbling, and he looks, and there's blood running down through him. And he tells the instructor, he said, "But I want you to know, I took what I've learned in this first first aid class so far to help me." And he said, "That's great. What did you do?" He said, "I got down on my knees, I put my head between my legs, and I breathed slowly so I didn't pass out." <laughs> I tell you to say that the only thing he could remember was what to do to help himself. God doesn't take us through problems so that we can learn how to take care of ourselves, but so that we can help take care of somebody else. So God gives us this strength and the purpose is that we might help others. I think that the end thing that God wants us to learn is that God desires that we learn that we can always trust him. You know, Jim shared in his testimony that he became angry with God, he became bitter at God and he kind of turned away from God began to kind of just go a path that was focused on basketball and what he wanted to do and trying to get things all behind his mind. He he still was going to church, but he kind of just got all that stuff out of his mind. He had a different focus and that was basketball. But you know, when you look at these scriptures, the apostle Paul lets us know and he expressed it in three different ways about God being our comfort. And one way he expresses it that God has been our comfort in the past. And I'm sure many of you can say, that God has helped you at some time in your past where you went through a a challenge, a struggle, maybe multiple challenges. And then he words it where God is the one who gives us comfort right now in the present. And then he expresses it that God is gonna be the one who will give us comfort in the future. And when you look at what Paul said, it's kind of like he says that God has always been and always will be there to be our comfort. There was a man that uh, was a construction worker that was working on this building that uh, was several stories high and uh, they were getting behind on their deadline to get this building finished and so they started having to work late work into the night hours This gentleman was, as a construction worker, was working on one of the higher levels of the building, and he was doing some things, and he realized that he had left some stuff over on another part of the building. Now, they had things lit up good so that everything would be safe for them while they were working, but he had something over in another part where they weren't working, and it was dark over there, but he went to get it so that he could finish up his job, and so as he's looking and he's wandering in the dark, he doesn't realize it, but he gets too close to the edge of the building. And when he gets too close to the edge, he slips off. And as he's slipping off, he takes his hand and grabs the edge of the building with all of his might hanging on to it. And as he's hanging there and his body's hanging down, all he can think about in his mind is, if I fall from here, it's gonna kill me. And he begins to yell and scream out for somebody to come and help him. And he's screaming and yelling. But the problem was that all the work that was going on over on the other side where the workers were, they couldn't hear him because of all the noise. And so he's yelling, he's screaming, he's trying to pull himself up, he's trying to dig in. Everything he's doing is just making him weaker and he's not getting anywhere. He's screaming, he's screaming and finally his arms get so weak that he can't hold himself anymore and he loses his grip. And he falls several inches and hits on a scaffolding that was underneath him. What he didn't realize that in the midst of the darkness where he thought he was going to be falling to his death, there had been a scaffolding that had been put up earlier. And so the whole time, he was going to be perfectly fine. He just had to trust and let go. And it's kind of where we are in our lives a lot of times. We go through problems and it seems like things are dark and we're hanging on by our own strength and we're yelling and screaming and not realizing that if we just let go and let things into God's hands, He is always there to give us. We can just trust in Him. In the Bible, one of the bi- favorite verses in the Bible is Proverbs 3 5 that says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And lean not into your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. It's a reminder that no matter what you're going through, you can trust in him. And so while I look at what Paul tells us about God being the God of all comfort, it reminds me that God knows what I'm going through. He may not take away the pain, but he'll be my comfort in the midst of the pain. And he'll make me stronger because of the pain, because he has a purpose, and that is for me to help somebody else's life. And in the end... I just got to trust him. I don't know what you may be going through in your life today. I do know life can be tough. I didn't lose my mom when I was 14, but I have lost my mom, so I know that loss. You know, I may not can relate to everybody's problems and pains, but I know life can be tough. And most of all, I know God is good.